Welcome to the podcast of the Believer's Bible Class, a part of the historic First Baptist Church located in downtown Dallas, Texas. Each week we share the Bible lesson from our longtime teacher, Doug Brady. Doug has studied the biblical scriptures throughout his life and is knowledgeable in both ancient Greek and Hebrew, which makes his explanations of scripture all the more interesting and most certainly all the more accurate. Professionally, Doug is an attorney although he considers his Bible teaching as his godly profession. As we continue on our major study of the book of Daniel, and especially this ninth chapter of the great book, our lesson today is a continuation of the study of Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel is in prayer, confessing the sins of Babylon and asking God to save the land. This is the third lesson on this chapter and today's lesson is very special as we take the last part of our hour-long lesson time to pray about the condition of our nation in these perilous times. Doug has asked members of the class to voluntarily come forward to the microphone and pray for our class, our nation, and most importantly, for our church. This is a very emotional time as people approach God with their petitions. The Believer's Bible Class is part of the historic First Baptist Church located in downtown Dallas, Texas. Our class is committed to the deep study of the scriptures, and our teacher, Doug Brady, spends many hours preparing each of these lessons. If you're looking for a place to study the Bible and are in the Dallas area, you may want to visit our class. We meet every Sunday morning at 9.15 in the Lavorne Hall, located on the lower level of the new Worship Center building. We would love to meet and greet you when you come. Well, Doug is at the podium, ready to begin this very special lesson. Here now is our longtime teacher and my great friend, Doug Brady. If you remember last time we studied in Daniel chapter 9, we looked at the prayer from Daniel chapter 9, 3 to Daniel chapter 9, 20. And we saw that this prayer was divided up into three parts. The first half was devoted to prayer of confessing of sin. The next quarter was devoted to Daniel telling God he understands the justice and righteousness of the punishments that he brought on the people for what they've done. And then the final quarter, a plea of mercy and cessation of the punishment. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about that prayer, and then we are going to open up a time to give everybody a chance, if they want to, to pray in confessing the sins of America. And I would like us to focus on two things, the sins of America's churches and then the sins of America's people. And I want you to understand that there's two types of sins we're dealing with, sins of commission, which is activities, things said, things done that are wrong, and sins of omission, things that should have been done that weren't. And I would like you to focus on that. Now, there's probably a number of people that want to pray, so let's not have very long ones. If you want to pray a long time, then kneel at your table and pray uh, out of your heart to God. But I do want as many people who want an opportunity to pray to be able to do that. 
Now, before we begin, let's, the first things I want to say, let's, let's pray together. Father, as we come before you now, I pray that each person here will be able to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in such strength as I'm doing right now, that they can feel him and know that he's here, and that he promised to be here in our midst when we come to him in a prayer. I pray, Father, that you will bless this time and it will be something special. Help us to understand the keys to having a prayer that avails us of much. Teach us that this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we looked at five principles about prayer. I want you to see them. The first one was that we should recognize the Scripture as the only dependable source of truth. The second one was that the Scripture should motivate our prayer life. The third is that a godly man or woman leads a balanced spiritual life, that is, spiritual intake and times of prayer must work together in the right equilibrium. The fourth is that serious prayer requires serious preparation. And then the fifth one is to allow God's will or plan to be the direction of our prayers. That's when we really can pray effectively. Now, there's two aspects of Daniel's prayer life that I want you to see here today before we start our time of prayer. The first is found in, in back in chapter 6. It has to do with the frequency of prayer. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had his windows open towards Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Now I want you to notice something. Daniel had times of prayer that he had set aside where he prayed every day. It wasn't, well, I'm going to pray when I feel like it, or I'm going to pray when I have opportunity. No, he made a plan. In effect, if he didn't show up to pray at that time, he was standing God up. Number two, as you look at that passage, where did he pray? He had a specific place to pray, that that's where he would go to pray to God. And I think we ought to think about this now. On the day that it happened in chapter 9 and is recording his prayer in chapter 9, how many times did he pray that day? Nope. Once. He started in the morning and he didn't stop until the prayer was answered. Interesting. You ever prayed until God gave you an answer? I don't think most of us have. But... That's what the first thing I wanted you to see. Now the second thing I want you to see, and maybe we're going to spend most of our time on this. Daniel's prayer displayed the fervency of his spirit and the unction of his requests. It was all about passion and fervency and urgency as he prayed. Look, for example... In Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, it says, So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications. Supplications, informing God of where there is a need and asking him to supply it. With fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Some of you have fasted this morning. Maybe some of you haven't. Maybe some of you forgot. Maybe some of you didn't know to. 
But I think a large number of us have approached this time with that fasting. Now look in verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and the people called by your name. Now, while I was speaking and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, presenting my supplication before the Lord my God on behalf of the holy mountain of God, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, with whom I had seen the previous vision, came to me. Do you think if you were reading it in Hebrew, you would see an exclamation point? No, but the translator put those exclamation points there because of what the Hebrew words are trying to convey, the fervency, the earnestness of his prayer. And that's the only way, that's the way in English you do it. If you're not speaking it, you're writing it, you put an exclamation point. You notice there's three of them there. Daniel was all about fervency, fervency of his prayer. And I want you to see that because I think it's very, very important. I want you to think through, is Daniel the only one we know of in the scripture that would pray with fervency? Well, now if you studied those three nines, Daniel 9, Ezra 9, Nehemiah 9, you would have come across Ezra's prayer. In Ezra chapter 9, verse 5, it says, but at the evening offering, I arose from my humiliation that is, finding out how much of the law they had broken. Even with my garment and robe torn, I fell on my knees, stretched out my hands to the Lord my God, and I said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen above our heads and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. Down in verse 15, he says this, O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we have left an escaped remnant as it is this day. Behold, we are before you in our guilt, and no one can stand before you like this. Who else prays with fervency? Nehemiah did in Nehemiah chapter 9. Elijah did in 1 Kings chapter 18. David did in 2 Samuel 12. And of course, Jesus did in Luke 22 when he was sweating what appeared to be great drops of blood. Now, I want us to look at a passage that I think is important to look at to understand this concept of fervency because I want you to see the Old Testament doesn't state principles as much as the New Testament does. The New Testament will state principles. But if you go back to the Old Testament, you will always find examples of those principles being demonstrated and we're going to look today for a few minutes at James chapter 5, verse 16, the second half of that verse. And it says, the fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. The fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, I'm going to tell you that the translators have really messed up in translating this verse. Let's look at the, the major translations here for just a second. If you look at the ESV, it starts out, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You see anything about fervency there? No, they, they completely missed that point. If you look at the King James, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. They've taken one word, energeo in the Greek, 
and translated as two. It shouldn't be translated as two. It should only be one word. You have to pick the best word. Now, if you think that they're pretty much equal, you choose one, you footnote it, and you then put it in the margin as to what the other translation could be. But the King James didn't do that, and it makes you think there are two words there. And besides, it's a mistranslation, as I'm going to show you in a minute. Now, the New American Standard, they didn't make the mistake of putting two words there. They only picked one, and they put it there. But they picked the wrong one. Then you look down here at the New King James, they continue the mistake of the King James. If you look here in the NIV, now I want you to notice that I'm putting these here, but I am not, there are some of these translations I am not supporting or saying that you should get. I don't want you to think, oh, well, Doug looked at the NIV and uh, didn't think it to be nearly inspired version, and so I'm going to buy that. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. This one says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You see anything about fervency there? And then down here in the NLT, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Well, that's a very good statement. I like it, but it's putting things in there that's not in the verse. Now, how should this word be translated? I want us to look at that just a, a second. Uh, and this is the translation that I think is the best. The word here being translated that we're talking about is the word energeo. Mr. Nobler? Yes. So there can be no distinction no. here. What English word do you think we get from energeo? Energy. And man, you are right on the money today. Yes, I know. I, I heard that. Well, that's what a wife is for. She's to be a helpmate. She doesn't want to be embarrassed anymore. No. She, uh, uh, but so what I'm saying here, now, it could mean to be operative or to be at work. But one of the things that you need to do is you look at this word to translate it. What are the possible meanings of the word? What does the grammar tell you about the word? If you look at this grammar, it's present tense, middle voice, and a participle. The present tense represents a simple statement of fact here. And we need to represent that. What is the fact that's trying to be represented in this word? Number two, the middle voice is something we don't have in English. It's a voice that has the subject performing the action on themselves. So who is the source of the fervency? The person. He is chosen to pray with fervency. Finally, a participle here is being used as an, an adjective, and it's defining the type of prayer here. Now, the word enegeo comes from the verb in, uh, in Hebrew that's energes, and energes means active. With just that understanding, active, would you translate it fervent, or would you translate it effective? What do you think? I would agree with you. But when you're translating, what do you want to do? Besides understanding the meaning of the word and the grammar uh, set, grammatical setting the word's placed in, what else do you want to look at? Context. Well, what is the context? Well, he gives an example here following this. It's an example from the Old Testament. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, 
And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Do you see the key word in that verse? Earnestly. Does that give you some context as to whether it should be effective or fervent? Yes, it does. In fact, it's interesting. The, uh, two, there's two words that are translated here in James 5.17. It's prayed earnestly. Well, the first word you can understand what it means is it means to offer prayers or to pray. But the second word translated earnestly means prayer addressed to God. What they've done is he's expressed the idea twice to emphasize and understand the purpose of it. So that's why it's translated earnestly. And in fact, in all the translations that I just quoted, basically this word comes out earnestly. So with that as context, does that tell us anything about whether it should be effective or fervent? Yeah, I think it does, doesn't it? Now, as you look at that, we have to understand in every promise or statement of principle, there are triggers. What is the end trigger? Can accomplish much. If you pull the triggers, that will be the result. One of the other reasons that you don't translate this effective is because it would be redundant. Can't accomplish much, what does that mean? It means it's effective. So would you say the effective prayer of a righteous man is effective? No. You see, everything you put in, it shows fervence. So fervent prayer is the first trigger. But this is like one of those old double-barrel shotguns that you've got two triggers in the trigger behind the trigger guard. There's a second trigger. What is that second trigger? Righteous. The fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Now, when you think about that, the righteous man, there are three types of righteousness in the Bible. Three types. First, there's human righteousness or the righteousness of man. How does God feel about that? Well, if you look in Isaiah, and I've quoted, I've set out the verse for you in the notes. He chooses a subject that's extremely gross, and he's basically saying, your concept of righteousness is gross to me. It's sickening to me. That's what he's saying. There's a second type of righteousness. It's called positional righteousness. Uh, our pastor likes to call it judicial righteousness. What that righteousness means is this, when God looks at you, he's looking at you through the blood of Christ and he sees you as completely righteous because Jesus has paid the penalty, past, present, and future for every sin you're going to commit or have committed. Thank goodness. Now, but if that's the kind of righteousness he's talking about, then that means every believer would qualify for this. There's a third type of righteousness. It's called experiential righteousness. Some people refer to it as practical righteousness. When God looks at me and he sees through that blood of Jesus and he sees me as righteous, does that mean I hadn't sinned five minutes before? No, I have, more than likely. Just ask my wife. And she is an expert on that kind of topic. But I want you to see something about that. Because I believe it's this third type of righteousness, experiential righteousness, that that's what he's talking about is the second trigger. Fervency and righteousness. And this kind of righteousness, I think, is important for us to see. Notice that James uses Elijah as an example here. He says, Elijah 
was a man with a nature like ours. What does that mean? Like mine. He, he was that. And did Elijah ever sin? Absolutely he did. You, you look at 1 Kings 19, 2 through 3, he just ran. But as I think about this, though, yes, Elijah did sin, but Elijah was an extremely righteous and godly man. He was powerful. He did things that no one else has ever done. He could talk to God and have God send down fire from heaven. Can I talk to God and have him send down fire? Well, it's never happened. And as I started thinking about that, James used Elijah. He could have used men like John or Paul or Job or Noah and Daniel as examples of this righteous man, the one who practices righteousness throughout his life. But then as I thought about it, I, my first thought was, well, he certainly couldn't use me as an example. I don't, I don't compare to those guys when it comes to practical righteousness. I, I'm not... I. So this really is not a promise to me. And then the Holy Spirit directed me to two passages I want you to see. Because who has affected our world the most other than Jesus Christ? Paul the Apostle. And what does Paul the Apostle say about himself? In Romans 7, 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from, this body, from the body of this death? He calls himself wretched. Well, is he really talking about sin or something else? Well, let's look what he said to Timothy so we can confirm what he's talking about. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. That's what Paul said about himself. Now, I want you to understand that there's a principle here involved with this prayer. Daniel understood this principle. It's... Maybe the best demonstration of it is found in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 6, verse, starting in verse 1. I want you to see it. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I, that is Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Now this is important. I want you to see this. Where is Elijah when he's seeing this? He's in heaven. Whose robe is he seeing? God's. And where is he? In the temple in heaven. Now, he's up there in the next couple of verses, two through four. He's going to describe what he's seeing, and then he's going to describe his reaction. Look in verse five. The first word he says is, Woe. And woe is me, for I am ruined. I am going to be destroyed. I can't last. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. That's the first sin that came to his mind. And I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Now, think through this. Isaiah, in the presence of a holy God, the first thing, what did he do? He recognized his sin. The second thing he did was he admitted his sin. And he expressed sorrow for his sin, and God cleansed his sin. Did he just cleanse some of it? All of it. He's standing there completely cleansed of his sin. Now let's look at the principle. It's found in the New Testament in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And now I've come to see what is the righteousness it's talking about in James 5, 16b? The fervent prayer of a righteous man. That is someone who's been cleansed of his sin. So does that exclude me any longer? No, it includes me if I will just pull the trigger. That's the key now to seeing this, and I want you to see it. So this passage, confessing our sins, as you looked at this prayer of Daniel, what was he doing? The first half of the prayer, confessing sin. Did he leave himself out? No. You see, he represented, he understood he was an Israelite and Israel had sinned. Just like we're Americans and America has sinned. And we are members of the American church and the American church has sinned. If Daniel was here today, he would be doing the exact same things. Now I want you to see that this is what I understand. I consider Israel to be a very special gift that God has given the world. And he set up Israel, and it was set up and designed according to God's laws and God's specifications. I consider the American Republic to be exactly the same. It was a gift to the world from God. It was set up according to God's principles and God's way of wanting government to be in that time period. A government of laws and not of men because men are wicked. And we have gone the other way. And if you see how far, could you imagine if George Washington were here and we were to tell him, or James Madison, and say, now this is the condition of our nation today. What would you see in his face? Shock and tears running down their eyes. How can that be? Well, what we want to do today is this. I want us to have a time of prayer for our nation and our nation's churches. What, you, what I want you to do, you can pray at your table to yourself out of your heart. Or if you want to, you can bring, you can come up to one of the mics and voice a short prayer confessing the sins of our, our people and our nation. And just stand in line behind whoever's praying. And when they finish, then you can start praying uh, if you want to. Now, there's no coercion. If you don't want to, you don't have to. I don't want anybody to get carried away and go too long or say things we shouldn't say, but we want to confess those sins. At the end of the time, I want to pray through our entire prayer time. So at the end of the time, I will stand up, even if we, there's still people up there, because I don't want to be responsible for having us not go to the service. And I will close us in a word of prayer. But I'm going to ask Steve Crossman if he'll go to the mic and he will start for us. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, if a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness, and I stretch out my hand against it, destroy its supply of bread, send famine against it, and cut off from it both man and beast, even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst by their own righteousness, they could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord God. If I were to cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they de depopulated it, and it became desolate, so that no one would pass through it because of the beasts, though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, 
they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters. They alone would be, a de would be delivered, but the country would be desolate. Or if I should bring a sword on that country and say, let the sword pass through the country and cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men were in its midst as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I should send a plague against that country and pour out my wrath in blood on it to cut off the man and beast from it, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their son or their daughter. Father in heaven, I simply bring this time before you this uh, time of prayer, asking that your will would be done. It's in Christ's name I pray. Dear Lord, we know that you established one nation, and that nation is Israel. But Lord, you've blessed our nation because you, we have, from the very beginning, tried to honor you and tried to honor Israel. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help our nation, but Lord, most of all, that you would just help our people and help each one of us to turn our face toward you and humble ourselves, Lord, that we would just seek your face, seek your guidance, and that, Lord, we know that even from the time of George Washington that he honored your nation, he honored you, and, Lord, we, we just ask that you would help us to just look towards you, our hope, and Lord, we thank, we're so thankful that we know how this all ends. Lord, we thank you for saving us and for honoring and for just giving us the hope and assurance that we will see you again. And Lord, you're in complete control and your will will be done. And so Lord, I just pray that you would help us that you would find us faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we come before you, and we ask forgiveness of our sins. Lord, I'm going to refer to one specific sin, and that is defiling your institution of marriage. This country has gone about to where they, they don't want to honor marriage the way you have described it. They also don't honor marriage the way they have come around with homosexuality and the sins against the body. And we just pray that you would be with us, that you would stand with us as a church and as Christians, Lord, that we would stand up against these sins and that you would forgive us for not standing against them and allowing this to happen to this country. We just pray, Lord, that you would put it in our hearts that we are to stand firm. Pray that you would be with us now as we do this. In Christ's name I pray. Have mercy, O Lord, according to your loving kindness and the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out our transgressions and forgive us, Lord, of our sins. For, Lord, we just want to come, and I come first, Lord, asking you that you will raise up a righteous conviction Lord, in your people, the church. And Lord, and I pray that as the church demonstrate this righteous conviction, 
that it will have an overwhelming influence that will bring about a sea change in the lives of our political leaders, that they will govern according to the righteous standards that were set up based on biblical principles of our Constitution and the laws. Thank you. Our Heavenly Father, we just come before you now asking for forgiveness for our nation, for our churches, dear Lord, that don't preach your word, that don't proclaim the gospel the way we've been taught to do, that they, they manipulate the Bible, manipulate your word to be what man wants it to be, not what you want it to be. And we, we're sorry for that, dear Lord. We've allowed that to happen. We've allowed those churches to exist. And we ask for your forgiveness and for your strength and courage to, to do something about it, to speak out. Pray for our nation and for where we're headed, dear Lord. And we just pray that you would guide us in the right direction. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise your name for the awesome God that you are. And we were blessed that you set this country up as a standard like the world had never seen. Unfortunately, our country is beginning to turn its back on you. We see the evidence of sins of the body and homosexuality. We see uh, evidence of widespread killing of babies and, and abortions and we know this is against your law and we ask that you bring your power of goodness back to this country. Give the leadership, open their eyes to what's right and uh, two evils we need to address is, is uh, the evil of the media and how they distort and don't present the truth. And we also ask uh, that you uh, bring our educational system back to Christian values and put a stop to evils like CRT. And uh, we ask that you provide us uh, leadership to get back to where we used to be. And uh, we know we're a unique nation, and, and we need to stand up to the evils of socialism and communism that's beginning to infect this country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Father, we stand before you living in a nation now that when we wake up in the morning, we get to decide which sex we're going to be. We live in a nation where a mother gets to decide if her baby lives or doesn't live. We live in a nation where people of the same sex can get married. Father, your word has been changed, and it never changes, but we have allowed it. Father, help us to be strong and stand up. We must not sit back. We have become a meek people, when so many other people before us have fought and died for our liberties, and we have turned away from that strength that you give, give us. We sit back and we watch it on television and we watch it in our community. 
how our schools have been overcome. And I ask for forgiveness for that. And I pray, Father, that in the future that we would know that you want us to become bolder and to speak out against this unrighteousness because we have been blessed beyond measure. And I know we have disappointed you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father God, we come before you this morning in humbleness and fear for the, our Father God that you are our creator. Oh my goodness. And we know you love the family because that's what you created. And yet the family is not doing what you want them to do. Father is not. The mother is not. The children are not because the parents haven't trained them, haven't followed your word, haven't done anything that you wanted us to do. What a tragedy. And look, as you've heard just now, look at the horribleness that is in the world because of that. Fathers need to father their children. Mothers need to be there. It's just so grievous and I know it hurts your heart because you created the family it was precious to you and started it in the Garden of Eden and it's it has to have been all these years just so grievous for you and I just am sorry and ashamed of the way we are now I never in my wildest imagination thought America would be like this And I apologize for anything that I've done or Doug's done or anybody around me that I know. And I just, I hate Satan. I hate what you've allowed him to do on this earth. Because his whole thing is to destroy the family because that is what you created. And everything he does, every, everything relates back to that, everything. And Lord, I just beg you for mercy on America. I love America, but I don't love what it's like now. So whatever it is you feel like you have to do, we will accept that and make us bold for you, each one of us, each one of us be bold for you and not make you ashamed of us. And we pray this in the name of sweet Jesus, our Savior, your Precious Son, amen. Father God, I pray that you will show up at our schools again. Forgive us, Lord, for letting prayer be taken out of school. Those children, a lot of them don't have fathers, and they don't know you, Father. The most precious thing in my life was when I found my father. I pray all these children that have no hope They don't know what hope is. They're killing themselves. Please, Lord, show up. Please, Lord, show up in school. Let these children hear your word. We are a fatherless nation. Men have got to learn to love God and be the head. I pray that the church will show up boldly. I pray that if there's a child in your neighborhood, if your yard man, if your maid has a child that doesn't know Jesus, that you will 
get money out of your wallet and that you will send them to Bible school. Mm -hmm. You will send them to vacation Bible school. You'll send them to camp where they can learn about Jesus Christ. They are not going to learn it in their household. Mm -hmm. We need to help other families. Dear Lord, help us, help us heal our nation. Help us be the city on the hill. Help our church start to shine individually by each of us stepping up and doing what is right for other children. And children can be any age. We're all children. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us one by one change our nation to a nation that loves you, Lord. And I ask for your mercy for what we've done for when we took the Ten Commandments out, we took prayer out. Somehow, Lord, turn those teachers' hearts wrong side out yes. to where they want to know you and they want to teach the children about you, Lord. I ask this in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for the prayers that have been expressed and, Lord, for the prayers that are being expressed at the tables, Lord. Lord, we come to you with blood on our hands. Lord, we are a wretched people that we have forgotten you. And Lord, that you have been so good to us throughout all the, the, the years that you, Lord, you established America. You brought the pilgrims here. And Lord, you gave our founding fathers the words to pen in our founding documents. And Lord, when the pilgrims came, they staked a cross in Virginia. They declared it for you, Lord, for the propagation of the gospel. Oh, Lord, this land is your land. It belongs to you, Lord. And Lord, help us to claim it, to get it back, to return to what you've given us, Lord, and to our Judeo-Christian principles. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, throughout your word, you have displayed mercy. Lord, we cry for that today. Lord, I pray for our churches, Lord. Lord, that they would be convicted, the pastors would be convicted. Lord, that they would be like the black robe regiment, that the pastors would wear their black robes into the pulpit and inflame the people's hearts to liberty. And then they would step out of the pulpit, take off their robe and lead the fight. Oh Lord, I pray for believers for our leaders who know you, Lord, to lead the fight. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus. You are our most high God. Lord, you're our shelter, our high tower. Lord, you hide us in the shadow of your wings. Lord, all those descriptions of you are safety. Lord, we turn to you. Thank you, Lord, that your word tells us that you hear our prayers, that our prayers go into your ears. Lord, that is so personal. Thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. And Lord, that we stand in righteousness because of you, Jesus, and the blood that you've covered our sins with, and you've forgiven us. Lord, thank you. So, Lord, we just come before you and ask you and pray. Lord, there are remnants all over America of people praying. We will probably never know them until we get to heaven. And, Lord, I thank you for the remnant that is praying over America. Lord, the remnant around the world. Oh, Lord, increase that remnant. 
And Lord, help us to be bold. Oh, Lord, we have no hope except for you, Lord. We have no hope. You are our hope. And Lord, in, um, in Psalms, 1, Psalms 125, it says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. From this time forth and forever, for the scepter of the wicked of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Let the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O God. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. O Lord, do good to those who trust in you. And Lord, help us to be bold, bold, and not accept the lies that are being taught. O Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, our most high God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Dear Father, we just heard, studied, reviewed that the fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much and do much good and help us. We are not righteous by, by any standard, by your standard, your holy God. But we claim the righteousness through because of your blood. And Lord, we ask that you hear our prayer today. Cleanse our hearts and that we are able to come to you. So you, your holy ear will hear our prayers today. And help us to be, come to you boldly and pray fervently. And Lord, especially I want to bring the subject of uh, education system in this nation. It's just very alarming how small children are being taught evilness and hatred and um, despicably unimaginable things being taught to the children, indoctrination of our nation that way happening. And in a small way, it starts and it gets bigger. They removed all the name. Your name is banned in all public places, and we're slowly removing you completely. But we, your people, need to be courageous and stand up and rise up against uh, this ungodliness. We need to, we, we ask that you rise up people in your name. Give us the courage and boldness to um, see the urgency and the need to bring your name, establish you in this, in this evil world. And we give us the, give us the encouragement, Lord. We we feel so helpless at times, and we feel so depressed about what's going on around us. But we, our faith is in you, Lord. Help us to cling on to your words, and pray and pray without seeing. Fervent, a fervent prayer. Is that what we need to do? Help us to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Dear Lord. We're a fallen people. Continue to reveal to us more of your truth. Free us from if there's any bondage of denial. Instead, may the mind of Christ call us to action so that the obedience of your orchestration, Lord, may unify your remnant. For it be that your revival and glory may be revealed. And I ask this through our King, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Dear Lord, I am a dirty, rotten sinner, and I pray for your forgiveness of any sins that I do. I need you, Lord. I need you. So, as I read in Romans 26 through 32, it says, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and deceiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind, depraved mind, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrusty, untrusty, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So I pray, Lord, that as America, our churches are becoming to where many of them are giving hearty approval to those who practice these things, these, these um, evil things that are in your sight. I thank, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for our church, that we don't give hearty approval to these things, but I pray also that you'll guard our church as the, um, the fellow that uh, leads our Pathway to Victory has said, we're, you know, we're the largest Internet church. Lord, we know that Satan's going to be attacking us, and he is attacking us right now. And so we pray, Lord, for your guidance and direction for our church, that we do not stick to anything that would harm our testimony for you. And so, Lord, we pray, we thank you for that, and we pray that many of these churches that have starting to give hearty approval for homosexuality and so forth, that they will stop it. I know we're supposed to love the sinners, and we do love them, but we don't um, approve of what they're doing. And so please guide and direct us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray this. Dear Father, thank you for letting us be here this morning. Abba, Father, hear our prayers, Lord. I confess the sins of our church and our country. Let us turn from our sins and listen to your voice, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Prick the heart of the wicked, Lord, and let there be a seed planted that they would turn their heart to you, Lord. I pray that our body, our will, and our emotions be in line with your word, your voice, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, hear us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, Father, you know that man repeats the errors of their ways. The book of Jeremiah describes what we're happening now in the United States of America. The Israelites sinned so greatly against you, sexual immorality, sacrificing their children to idols, corruption, evil, and you became so wrathful that you sent them into captivity and destroyed the beautiful city of Jerusalem. And now look what's happening to our country. The book of Lamentation follows the book of Jeremiah, and the author of that book has asked for mercy. In verse chapter 340, 
It says, then why should we, mere humans, complain when we are punished for our sins? Instead, let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn again in repentance to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven and say, we have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgiven. But God, we know that you are merciful. The author of Lamentation does not blame God for what happened to Jerusalem, but presents him as a righteous God and one who is sometimes merciful. And Lord, we gather together today with our brothers and sisters across the land in prayer, asking that you would be merciful to us, God. Let us rise as soldiers of the cross and stand up for you and your ways. In this we pray. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Yes, God, please forgive. I'm divorced, woman. Please forgive my divorce. My best bless come to these countries. Find you, Jesus. Jesus, you love me as before, right now, and in the future, you always love me. That's my best place. I found you, Jesus, when I was young. My text message from the school, they told me, they teach us we're from the monkey. It's not from you, but I found the truth to come to this country. You're a real creator. You created us as your image. You love us. You gave us everything to us. Us. But I failed you for marriage. For 15 years, I come to this country. I saw too many strange things happen. Before, it's so wonderful when I was volunteering in this school, my children's school. Everybody pray before school beginning, pray to God. But right now, they cancel. I don't understand every morning I ask you, God, for my knowledge, I don't understand what happened in this world. I saw around my apartment too many lesbian and gay flag in their balcony. I don't understand, God. I ask you, please forgive them. Teach me. Teach me how to reach them. I'm your children. Teach me. I don't understand the people don't want their baby. I don't understand the people before marriage, they live together. They have a baby. I have my co-worker in Chicken Freak. We, I, we pray for them. I only ask them to keep the baby. But they don't care. They, want, they don't care the life. But I know Jesus, you do care. You do care every single life. Because ever since by your hands, Lord Jesus, you're powerful. We don't want Lucifer to come here in this country. We know this country is beautiful, Christian foundation. But right now it's a change. It's not, I know you love everyone, even sinner, including myself, also sinner. But we don't want the devil here. We believe you are final victory. You can fight with this devil. Give us strength, give us confidence, give us every day, and teach us how to do, Lord Jesus. You are always be there to support us, comfort us. We are your children. Please guide us, Lord. Change this country and keep Luther forever in the hell. Lord Jesus, we pray for their please. Please, for our country, the leaders, 
guide you, back you, foundation, Jesus Christ foundation, not their, their individual, their ideal, because this country built on the biblical way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This whatever I say, thank you. It's my best blessing. I find you, Jesus. This is Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your promise that you will build your church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it, Lord. Father, we pray for our churches here in America, which you've been so gracious, so gracious to give us, Lord. For the institutions established early on to train uh, leaders, uh, pastors, to share your word, to bring people to Jesus Christ, to salvation in him, Lord. Father, we have sinned. We have sent men and uh, other workers into uh, the churches to pastor that don't know you, that don't proclaim the name of Jesus, that don't know your word. Our institutions, Lord, have, uh, have turned against uh, your word and against uh, the grace that you wish to, to share, the salvation of Jesus Christ. Have mercy upon us, Lord. Restore the church locally. We know that your church will will grow and prosper, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it, Lord. We ask for your ordained people to work. And we ourselves, Lord, we have sinned, we have abdicated our responsibilities for personal witness to share the grace that you have given to us with other people. Have mercy on us, Lord. Strengthen us for your service. We praise you in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, you are holy, we are not, I am not. You are beautiful and glorious, we are not, I am not. You are all-knowing, we are not, I am not. Lord Andrew Murray in his book, Waiting on God, begins a prayer, Lord, make me as holy as a redeemed sinner can be. Draw me as close to you as it's ever possible. Lord, I'm so proud of Doug. I'm so thankful for this opportunity, a call to prayer and fasting. Several years ago, when Pastor's prayer partner, Ronnie Floyd, spoke about prayer and fasting to the prayer partners banquet. Shortly thereafter, in the leadership meeting with pastors, prayer partners, I asked the pastor at First Baptist Church ever called the congregation to a time of prayer and fasting. He looked to Scott Baker, who shook his head, and Ed Yates, who also shook his head. Lord, my question is, what must happen to this church before we have such a call. Lord, I'm so sorry that there are so many lukewarm Christians who just let things slide. Lord, be with us here. Help us to love each other more. Help us to reach out to those we don't know. Help us, Lord, to be like Daniel, fervent in our prayers, focused in our prayers. 
Lord, what an incredible blessing to be here, this place, in this time. May we be up to the task. Lord, thank you. Amen. Heavenly Father, I come before you in fear and trembling, Lord, in humility, knowing that I'm not righteous. And Lord, we know we come to you because you've asked us to. We come to you in prayer because you want us to hear. You want to hear from your people. And you want us to turn from our wicked ways. And Lord, I just pray as a church, Lord, as that man just said, Lord, that we would turn to prayer and we would turn to fasting and we would repent and we would look at ourselves and say, Lord, do you see us as the Laodicean church that thought they were rich and they were really naked and had nothing? Lord, I pray, I pray and ask for repentance, for pride and for fear that has gripped this church. And I pray, Lord, that we would humble our hearts as people and as the pastors and as leadership, that we would humble our hearts, Lord, because you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble, Lord. I also come before you for our nation, Lord, and it almost seems like the battle is absolutely lost and that our country deserves destruction. We deserve judgment to fall upon us because of all the wicked things we've done, Lord. But I want to highlight a wicked thing that we have done and done and done and done, and that is the wickedness of abortion. And Lord, the blood of the little ones cry out to you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as a church, because we have fought this for so long, and yet have we profited off the blood of the little ones? We learned this year how they harvest the organs, and they absolutely sell them, Lord. This is horrible in your sight. But we never ask who was buying the organs, who was using the organs, who was using the tissue. Was it our medical community? And Lord, we found out that they were. And so Lord, I ask for your forgiveness, but I also ask for us to examine ourselves and say, and ask ourselves, are we putting creams on our faces that are with baby parts in them? What, what are we doing as Christians that is a appalling to you, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, for your forgiveness. I pray for um, the fact that we are a weak church and we think we are rich and, and have everything. And Lord, we've almost lost the battle. We don't care about evangelizing anymore, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would return our hearts to evangelism and to prayer and to the love of your word, Lord, and that you remove pride from us. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you so much for putting it on my heart to do this. And I thank you for the opportunity we've had just to fast for a little bit and then to come to you in prayer. Father, you've heard the confession of the sins of our nation and just now the, the sin of killing innocent infants who've never even seen the light of day. We know that you hate people taking advantage of innocence, and yet we have done that in such a despicable way. But Father, I want to confess today the sin of our church. When, that, when the Supreme Court made that decision, what did we do? Oh, we complained and we grumbled. We didn't stand up. We didn't demand impeachment of those judges, the ones that heard it here in Dallas and the ones in the Supreme Court. Why? 
did we let ourselves be intimidated? Why did we think it would go away? Sin never dissipates. It always grows. Now, Father, there's only one who can turn the face of our nation and turn it back to you. There's only one who can remove the hearts of stone that are in so many of our people in this nation. Give us back a heart of flesh, and that's you. I pray that you turn our nation around, that you make her back to a godly nation who sends missionaries throughout the world. Father, stop the graft and corruption. Take control of the media and those who want to destroy us. But most of all, help our churches, led by our pastor prophets, to stand up and speak out. Pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. We offer these confessions, these petitions, and these supplications in his sweet name, asking that our prayers be empowered by your Holy Spirit. Amen. And I thank you all for participating in this time with us.